Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to 2024, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And just like we wrapped up in 2023 with that four-headed monster, what do we call ourselves, the M, 4M, with Mendez, McKenzie, do Mark, Lazarus, uh, we're back, the four of us, to tee up. 2024, we've each been issued uh, from the New York Times and The Athletic a crystal ball to look and to gaze into 2024. Everybody got their crystal balls, right? Julian, you got your crystal ball? I broke mine already. I've got got to run a software update on mine, but it's almost ready. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what's your excuse? I I just, I mean... it's probably sitting in the mail. I haven't checked it since, uh, you know, since those crazy holidays that, boy, that, doesn't that feel like it was so long ago already? Yeah. By the way, what are the odds? The four of us are back together a week later. We're all wearing the exact same outfits. Right. That's crazy. You know it's crazy. Yeah, that's that so weird. The, I magic, yeah. the magic of podcasting. It's just days. my schedule for wearing this sweater. That's how it yes. works. Man, I didn't realize that until I just, oh, yeah, oh. look at that. Man, so we're going to look ahead at the year coming up, and I I think it's great because we had the launch of this already, but the PWHL has launched, and I I think of all the things in hockey that we should embrace and be excited about, and it's a six-team league, you know, for the last, I don't know, decade, it's felt like there's been multiple factions and warring entities, and they can't get traction, and uh, they finally got their financial house in order, and, you know, Laz, I'll start with you on this. Professional women's hockey is here. It is a brand new league, and it seems like something that people can finally get behind here in uh, in North America. I hope so. I mean, it's uh, anyone who's watched international women's hockey knows how good the game is, how exciting it is, how you know. There's the, the still to this day the best hockey game I have ever been to was the Canada U.S. game in Sochi during the 2014 Olympics, the women's game. Uh, that was the most excited I've ever been during a hockey game. I didn't have a rooting interest. Like the game is great. Um, I have my concerns. I don't want to come in right away and be Debbie Downer here, but the whole, like, you know, there wasn't time for the branding. I understand the logistics of it, but so much of the appeal of sports, especially for new teams trying to find new fans is the gear. It's the identity. It's the uniforms and having generic teams without mascots, without names, you know, just like, you know, the team is Toronto. Like that's, that that puts them in a, 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 on the back foot early on, and I hope that they can overcome that. I'm sure they will. The, the game will be good enough, but that's a big part of how you reach new fans is through marketing and through uh, merchandise. 
So I hope that they can move quickly on that, come up with some killer names and some killer jerseys. And I think that this league has a really good chance of taking off because the game is going to be so good. Man, I, I can't wait to see it in action. I also can't wait to see what type of merch we get. Uh, Mark brings up a really good point with the fact that the branding isn't all the way there. That just makes me think of the WNBA and when they had that really popular orange sweater with the logo. That was like the hottest like piece of sports apparel that year. And you were seeing you know, women wear it, men wear it. Like I would love it if the P-Dub would find a way to come up with some gear that would find a way to appeal to so many hockey fans male, female, non-binary, or otherwise, but also just being able to watch a league where the best players in the game are all in one space and you're not, it's not like in the past where the C-dub existed or the N-dub existed and you're seeing all these players divided between two leagues, just having one league and having broadcasters who can who can air it, right? I think the CBC is going to be airing games here in Canada, so that's going to be a really good place and a viable place for people to watch games, at least in Canada. So I, I'm all for this league, obviously, and I, I hope they see success and I just hope it sees nothing but growth from here on out. Yeah, and I mean, you, you talk about the marketing and, and obviously not having the, the the jerseys and the logos hurts, but ticket sales look pretty good. I mean, Toronto yeah. Yeah. sold out, and I, you know, I I was thinking of taking the family to the home opener in Ottawa tonight. It's there's no tickets. It's been it's been sold out for a little while now, and you know, I'm I'm going to be really honest here. For most of 2023, as this story was playing out and you had the leagues folding and then, you know, the new league was coming in and you had the the signings and the draft period and all this, I didn't pay a ton of attention to it just because I was, I was focused on the NHL. That's my job. I'm an NHL columnist. That's what I was paying attention to. And so it was just kind of something happening in the background. And I, you know, I, I'm rooting for it because, you know, we want to see the women's game succeed. We want to see, you know, the, these a lot of these great athletes have the chance in some cases to play pro for the first time or to play on a big stage. You know, all of those reasons why you just you kind of want to see it succeed. But then a few weeks ago, I sat down, they, they asked me to do sort of a, a fans preview of the new league. And so I sat down and, you know, I worked with Haley and Shane a little bit and got, you know, got myself caught up to speed. And I'm going to be honest, man, I was writing this thing and I'm halfway through and I'm like, this is cool. Like I, you know, put aside that, you know, it's a women's league. This is just a neat hockey league starting six teams. Got that original six vibe. You've got all of these stories playing out of, you know, that, that are just great sports stories. You know, the, the, the player who, who wasn't drafted, who was expected to be. So they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder or the, the player, the players who were rivals in college or certainly internationally. And now they're going to be on the same line. the, you know, the, the 22 year old kid from Japan who's coming over and it's okay. Well, boy, what is this all about? You know, this, uh, how, how is she going to play when she's playing with this top international talent instead of against it all the time? I just found myself, it was like a fire hose of great storylines where just as a sports fan, I'm just sitting here going, man, even if I, even if I wasn't into the women's game, even if I wasn't into hockey, it's not that hard to get sold on this and just sit there and go, I'm really interested to see how this turns out and the different approaches that different teams took and the star power on some, some teams go young, some teams go veteran. It's it, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I'm, I'm legitimately looking forward to this, not aspirationally because I, Oh, I hope it does well. Just selfishly as a sports fan, this looks like it's going to be really fun. Now, Ian, yeah. uh, according to Sean's law of the contrary, and you have to come down on the other side of this. So, why that's do you right. hate women, Ian? Let's hear. Okay, it. so let's make sure oh, that the whoa, cameras. Whoa, whoa, let's whoa, make sure whoa, the cameras whoa. rolling. 
Make yeah. sure my hey. mic's good. Let me yeah, tell you why. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Dick Beddoes is now joining us, and he's going to uh, step in and let us know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you know, but one thing that, that Laz said was, you know, how engaged we get with Team Canada, Team USA, best on best. Uh, Sochi and all, the Olympic, like, it's so memorable. Every time Canada and USA have played it best on best, it's been amazing. And I'm not going to lie to you. As an NHL fan, I look at that with a great de- degree of envy in the last few years because I feel like, oh, best on best. That's what it looks like. That's what it should feel like. And so I ask you guys as we start to, again, spin forward here in 2024, uh, Julian, do you think we get, by the end of this year, we get clarity, we get a concrete plan for best on best with NHL players, World Cup schedule, Olympic schedule? Like, are we... Are we feeling optimistic here at the start of 2024 that we'll get what we want by the end of the year? I want to say yes. I really, really want to say yes. I feel like the fact that we have some idea in mind at this point about what it could look like in 2025, that is giving me hope for wanting best on best. Uh, for If it's going to stick to that every two-year schedule, 2026, 2028, we get a World Cup and the Olympics. That might be a little bit different, but at least for 2025, the fact that, I mean, just at the athletic, not too long ago, we had mock squads for a fictional four team, four nations cup in 2025 for Canada, United States, Finland, and Sweden. Like that gives me hope. Like we wouldn't just do that for just, just to do it, you know, like, or or maybe we would, I don't know, uh, subs and all that, right. Page views. But like, I, I, I really want to believe that this is going to happen. I really think that for the men's game, uh, considering its place in the big four of sports, they need best on best it, in terms of the NHL doing everything it can, everything it can to, it, to, to appeal to more and more Americans, seeing that Team USA on paper is projected to be the favorite. They need a tournament like this to get more bums in the seats in the country they want more and more capital from. Like, I really want this to work out. Look, I, I want this. I'm still expecting it to somehow fall apart because this is the NHL we're talking about. Like they don't want this. The NHL does not want this. They do not think it grows the game. They think that the times of the games are are on too late or on too early for it to make an impact. They hate shutting down in February when they're they're the only game in town, the only month they don't have to compete with football and baseball. Uh, we've seen John Tavares and Sochi. We saw you know Kirby Doc at the World Juniors, Edwin Diaz at the World Baseball Classic. We've seen enough you know, catastrophic season-defining injuries uh, in non-NHL games. I, I want this. I want this, but the NHL really, really doesn't. And they're going to either, they're going to try to get the, the most, you know, concessions they can get out of the players to allow this, or they're just going to come up with some excuse not to do it. I just, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I have no faith in the NHL here. I, I, I view it as two different questions, the World Cup and the Olympics. I have no faith on the Olympics. And, you know, Ian, you said, is there going to be clarity by the end of 2024? No, because there will still be time for them to pull the rug out from under us. It was about a month oh. ago where Gary Bettman was already go, ah, you know, they're behind yeah. schedule on the arena. And you could just feel the trial balloon being floated of, you know, okay, maybe this will be the excuse. Now, a World Cup, yes. The question is going to be, will it really feel like a best on best or, you know, if we don't have Russia, if, you know, what, how do you handle some of the other teams? If it's just a four team tournament, does that still feel like a true best on best? Look, at the end of the day, give me Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid. Give me Canada versus USA. If I don't have the rest, even if it's just 
just that. Give me those two teams, play a best of seven, best of five, something like that. Um, it, it, you know, do, do something, please, because it is absolutely ridiculous that Connor McDavid is, you know, sitting here about to, you know, he's going to win his fourth MVP and he will never have put on a Team Canada jersey in a legitimate best on best. It's, it's so ridiculous. It is the, of all the North American sports, it's the one that lends itself best to this. We've seen them go to the Olympics and have sky high monster ratings when they got those, you know, Canada US gold medal games. So it's not like there's not proof of concept. It, it to me, it's so frustrating. Like I said in the last show, you're in the entertainment business, guys. This is what everybody wants to see. And the fact that they so, seem so reluctant to give it to us in any kind of real format is just, it just feels like stubbornness at this point. Connor McDavid has no loyalty to Canada. His loyalty is to Team North America. Thank you. That's right. And I still yeah. don't think Team North America is a gimmick. For everyone who says it's a gimmick and people who hate it on it. It was the best like, thing ever. Yes. Like, literally, literally ever. the most memorable thing from the last World Cup is Team North America beating Sweden in overtime and all those players thinking that like they had made it to the next round. Bring back Team North America. <laughs> bring back Team Europe. Bring back all these gimmicky teams. If the, we're going to have a World Cup, well, we've already had those teams in there to begin with. Why not just put them back there? I can understand why you don't want them in the Olympics. And I understand we all kind of feel a little weird about not just weird about the Olympics, but we're I don't know if those players are going to go back to the Olympics. And I get Mark explained it as eloquently as he did. But you know what? If we're going to do it, do it in the World Cup. I don't mind. Bring it back. Have the best under 23 players on a team. It's fun. It's cool. Why do we hate fun? Why is it's one thing for the NHL to hate on this? Why are grown folk who cover the NHL, who cover hockey, why is that the thing? For them to just be Julian, I have a name. Old I have a name. <laughs> what is just, this? What is this? Just There's call so me out many directly. different things you could be hating on. You gonna hate on this? You gonna hate okay. on something for, that people actually like? Hold, hold on. First of all, there's so many things to hate on. Uh, I can hate on a lot of things. Okay, don't oh, don't act could. like don't act like my focus can only be on one thing to hate about the NHL. I got it covered. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff. <laughs> Team North America was very cool. I just to me, if you're doing best on best, it's got to be real. I, I don't like having the you know team Europe, team North America, that sort of thing. But I am, I will acknowledge, old and cranky, and uh, you know, waving my cane around here. So no, take it well, as I, you will. I, I, I'm with you, what? Sean. If if there was, let's say, an Olympics every four years with best on best, I'd have more of an appetite for the weird yep. team North America. What they get crazy when we sure. don't have best on best? Get out of here with this stupid gimmick. Like I don't care. I don't oh care. God. This is just, it's part of like, the American conspiracy to keep Connor Bedard off Team Canada <laughs> in the next best on best. You're afraid exactly. of us. Come on, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, right down the middle. How great would that oh, be? Oh, man. man. Oh, my God. Like, uh, you're telling me you watch that? You're telling oh, me you here's, here's, here's how you do it. Go ahead. You bring back Team North America intact from the last one. Yeah. Oh and you God. fill up Team it Canada with everybody else. Team Nate North McKinnon America. I think I did a call where I was Austin like, Team Matthews. North America versus everybody right now. Like, yes. who wins? And it was it was close. That's what I want to see. Oh, man. All right. Uh, one more uh, item I want to hit on looking ahead to 2024 before we take a break. And I'll be honest with you, and, and we'll take a little bit more of a serious turn here. But but if you would have told me exactly a year ago, first week of January of 2023, that we would go through the entire calendar year without getting any clarity or closure on the 2018 World Junior Hockey Championship uh, Hockey Canada thing. I would have said, what are you talking about? Come on. That's crazy. But here we are. 
no definitive story uh, or closure to this. Where are we at with this, guys, when it comes to 2024? Like, like uh, Sean, I'll start with you on this one. Are we just at the point where we're like, okay, like they just keep punting, punting. This thing will just get perpetually punted and we're not, we're not going to get closure on this one? Well, it, it better not. It better not. And I know everyone is very eager to see this resolved. At the same time, th- this is a extraordinarily serious subject with extraordinarily serious consequences for everyone who was involved or not involved. And this to me out of anything, and you know, I'm, I'm a media guy. I am naturally inclined to say, give us the information, tell us more than you're telling us out of anything, given that there's still an active investigation going on slowly, but you know, still active, given that there's all sorts of legal ramifications for what the league does or doesn't do. I, I would say, take your time and get it right. Now, I would have said that six months ago, too, and I would not have envisioned that take your time would have brought us to here. But this is this is something where I would rather see absolutely every loose end closed up and make sure that you get this exactly right uh, and don't have the the worst case scenario, which is you push something out the door and some crack somewhere gets left open that consequences can be avoided or mitigated somehow uh, because because something got out there. It's I know it's extraordinarily frustrating as a, just a fan of the sport to see this hanging over everything, um, but there may be reasons for that. And if so, I'm I'm okay with saying you know what, take your time, but then you better get it exactly right when the time comes. I mean, Sean's Sean's a hundred percent correct. Obviously, he's right. But I, I it's funny like for the entire summer and early fall, like. Every Friday around like 4.40 p.m. Eastern yeah. time, I would get tense and I'd be on Twitter going, is it coming? Is it coming? It's like, I'm probably going to have to write a column off of this. Like, I'm waiting for this shoe to drop for so long. And I hate to say it, but like everyone, like th- by dragging it out and kicking the can down the road even farther, you're just keeping the cloud of suspicion on a- presumably innocent people too, right? Like, I know everyone who's on that team. Though those names are seared into my brain right now. And when I'm writing about hockey and I'm in a locker room and I see someone who is on that team, I'm thinking twice about what I'm writing about them. I'm like, do I want to praise this person? Do I want to, do I want to have, do I want to write about this person in any kind of flattering light, knowing what possibly could have happened five years ago? And until their names are cleared, that's hanging over all of these guys right now. And that's unfair to them. So they, this is, Man, I, I know these investigations take a while, but this is taking a very long while, a lot longer than any of us anticipated. And as long as they don't release the results of it, there's suspicion on people who shouldn't be suspicious. And there are people playing in the league who should not be playing in the league. That's the number one thing. And by dragging it out, you're just extending those circumstances. I just want to know at this point, similar to Mark, I thought we would know about this in the dead of summer when everyone's away from their phones and laptops on a Friday afternoon, a typical Friday news dump. I thought that by the beginning of this NHL season, we would have heard something. And the big thing to start off the year would have been us talking about the players who were suspended or whatever the punishment is going to be. We're in 2024 now, and we don't have any clarity on what's going on. I'm surprised, but at this point, you know, I just want to know. I just want to know what the result is going to be. I just want to know. I like, I don't want to have to think about this story to be quite honest with you. This is just this awful. It's an awful story. And 
uh, we've seen a lot of great coverage on this, but I, I'm at a point now where I feel like I just I just want this pass. Like I want to figure out what's going on. I want to read whatever story or columns coming after this, but just like I'm I'm tired of waiting. We and so many men, media members and other people around the league have been waiting for so long and guessing and trying to figure out who was there, who could be implicated, all this speculation behind the scenes. I'm done with it. I just want to know. All right. I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll take a break here. It's a natural time for us to pause because we do have some other stories we want to focus on looking ahead to 2024. When we come back, we'll discuss where Alex Ovechkin will be in his pursuit uh, in chasing down Wayne Gretzky. And uh, we'll also chat about Joel Quenville, Stan Bowman, and some others, whether or not there's space for them to come back to hockey in 2024. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match this offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. As we look ahead to 2024 and we look into our crystal ball, uh, Sean, I want to ask you, Alex Ovechkin in his pursuit of Wayne Gretzky, which I think at the start of 2023, we would be like, oh yeah, this guy could even mm-hmm. chase it down late in 2024, early 2025. I'm not so sure. Um, how interested are you in Alex Ovechkin, the player in 2024? Very interested because of the record chase. This has the potential to be, uh, you know, a fantastic story. And it has the potential to be a story that goes outside of even just the hockey world, because you don't have to know anything about hockey to understand what's going on here. It is the biggest, easiest to understand record in the sport. It was supposed to be unbreakable. And now here along comes a guy who has the potential to break it. Um, and, you know, it's 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 an easy story to sell. I am looking at it going, man, at, for years, as it became apparent, this was going to happen. You had people saying this would be the greatest thing ever. I hope he does it. You had other people saying, ah, you know, I, I'm a Gretzky guy. I'm Canadian. I don't want some Russian gun or whatever it was. The traditionalist saying, I hope he doesn't do it. 
I feel like the one thing we could have all agreed on, though, is if he's going to break it, let him break it in the Ovechkin way, being a dominant player, being a very good player. Please yeah. don't let him just drag this out where he's playing three years past the point where he should have and getting 15 goals a year, still trying to chip away at it. We're a long way off from that. But man, you just, you hope that one way or another, we get that definitive answer of either, no, he can't do it or yes, he did. And it's not like, okay, well, you know, hasn't, hasn't scored in three months, but he's still four goals away. So let's, let's hope he does it. It's one of the most remarkable goal scorers of our time. And this is the first time in a long time where we're looking at him and we're like, wow, he's slowed down. But at least in the past, you could say you could realize, oh, OK, that the head coach he had and coaching him hadn't wasn't right. You know, putting him on his off wing. This is the first time we've been smacked in the face with regards to Alexander Ovechkin's career. That time is the ultimate equalizer and decider of careers. We've just kind of taken a little bit of that goal scoring prowess for granted. Like one of my favorite things up until this year is seeing where Alexander Ovechkin ends up in everyone's like fantasy drafts, right? Like everyone has a fantasy hockey team. They pick all these players. Alexander Ovechkin falls to like round three or round four, and he casually just scores like 40 goals in a season because he was just so good at that. And in his heyday, uh, when at the height of, of Crosby versus Ovechkin, the personality, the jumping into the boards, all of that stuff, that's what made people love this guy so much. So to see it kind of slowed at this point, this makes me wonder, like, okay, like, what if he just doesn't get it? What if it gets to a point where Alexander Ovechkin, just his body is slowed down to a point where he realizes he can't do this on the regular? His his legacy as a Hall of Famer is intact. And, and as a player so dominant in his era with all the accolades, but it will... And I get that some people will will, will levy this with uh, geopolitical consequences as well and, and other thoughts on that. But I think a lot of people will ultimately look at that as a disappointment, considering how big this chase was hyped up to be. And if he doesn't get that record or if he falls way short of that, I mean, there will be a part of a lot of people who will ultimately feel not cheated, but maybe just disappointed is the word I'll just stick with here. It, it would be a loss for hockey. I, I, Sean took the words right out of my mouth. Like You don't want to see Ovechkin limping to the finish line here. You want to see him barreling through it the way he used to barrel through the neutral zone, right? You want to see him just destroy the record in, in a, with his like, 40th goal of the season or something like that. Um, but it would be a, bit, it would be a big miss for, uh, missed opportunity for the NHL because Ovechkin's one of those names that non-hockey fans know. They know Sidney Crosby. They know Alex Ovechkin. They know Connor Bedard, and they sort of know Connor McDavid, at least down here in America. Like those are the names they know. And Ovechkin chasing Gretzky, those are two names they know. And people would get into that. Like that would be a big story down here that 99% of hockey stories cannot get to. So it would be a lost opportunity for the NHL. And it would just be a shame because whether he gets it or not, Alex Ovechkin's the greatest goal scorer probably of all time, certainly of the modern era, just because he's doing it in the dead puck era. Relative to the rest of the league, there's never been a goal scorer like him. So he, he that that doesn't change, but the pursuit is the fun, right? Just like in 1998, the home run chase. You know, we know what about know about it in, in hindsight, but at the time, it was the best sports story any of us had ever seen. It was so much fun. That's what Ovechkin chasing Gretzky could have been, and still could be, 
I mean, hell, in the set, you know, we were recording this over Christmas break. By the time we this airs, we might look pretty stupid because you might have three straight hat tricks. This is Alex Ovechkin. Who's going to put that past him? But uh, I just, I just, if he does it, I want him to do it Ovechkin like, not just sad. Laz, you've just uh, ruined the idea that this was a live uh, uh, broadcast. Here. Wait, it's not, not only a guest already. Ever, uh, yeah, it's not January. Why am I hungover then? Wait a second. Yeah, What's... happy New Year. Uh-oh. Yeah, and, and now that's Sean's why we've gonna... been wearing the same clothes we've been wearing this whole. <laughs> and now hey, Sean's going right, to yeah. try to yeah, go. I Sean already ruined this. My bad. Yeah. No, Sean was like, "I'm going to the Ottawa uh, women's game tonight." Did you? And see, it was you, such you a got brilliant. That, right? Yes. Yeah. Like so I heard brilliant. that, I was like, "Okay, we're we're using that." Like, yeah. All right. Because it's on January. Anyway. I'm sorry I lied, everybody. Hey, uh, damn it. Laz, we will uh, stick with you on this one because I I do think a storyline that I'm curious whether or not it comes to fruition in 2024. uh, Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman have been out of the game in the last couple of years uh, over what happened with the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. And I'm wondering is there a path for one or both of them to return to the NHL? in the year ahead. I thought there had been, uh, with what, you know, when they, when they came to address the GM meetings here in Chicago, uh, at the end of the summer, it sure seemed like it was inevitable, right? I mean, hell, when the Rangers fired Gerard Gallant, I started banging out a column about the, I, you know, for when the Rangers hired Joel Quenville, I had it all, you know, mapped out. Uh, I'm not, I'm less sure now after what happened to Mike Babcock, uh, after Corey Perry, even, you know, with, with, with things like, I, I think that the teams are a little bit more wary of the PR hit. They take even the, the, the dalliance with Joel Quenville that the Rangers seemed to have before. I think it was Larry Brooks, uh, disabused everyone of the notion. Uh, I think people saw that and like, Hmm, man, he's a good coach. He's a really good, one of the greatest coaches of all time, but do we need that? Do we need that PR hit? Um, it's, it feels inevitable because this is hockey, right? This is what happens is these guys will get another chance. And you can even argue that maybe they deserve a second chance from all accounts, both Bowman and Quenville have been doing the work behind the scenes and they've been doing it with little fanfare. They've been talking to the right people. They've been trying to learn lessons. They've been trying to understand power dynamics and what they got wrong and what they could have done better. Maybe they do deserve a second chance. Maybe that's what we should want out of this is for people who make these kinds of egregious mistakes to, uh, to learn their lessons and show people that you can change. We want people to change for the better, right? But at the same time, I'm also like, I don't want these guys in the league again. They don't, they've, they've, they've lost the right. Why would you hire? Why would you why would you put this person in charge of young men right now, given what has happened in the past when there's so many other options out there? I think more teams are leaning towards that second right now. I would not be shocked if they got signed at some point. Bowman probably has a better chance than Quenville, I think, at this point. Because I mean, Bowman was, I think he interviewed for the Flames job, right? Uh he's he's in the mix already. He was in Nashville. We saw him in Nashville hobnobbing with you know other execs. He's he's working his way back, and it feels like that could happen. Uh, but I'm so torn on this because I do want people to be positive agents for change. And sometimes you have to fall down in a hole in order to climb yourself up and show what you can do. But at the same time, every single person in that room, and, and I've said this before, that includes Kevin Shevel day off to me who got no punishment whatsoever. I wouldn't want them running my team. I wouldn't want them in charge of my uh, players at all. Simple. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as Mark. I, I don't know if those two men are deserving of, a second chance. Ultimately, they have to earn it. They have to do all the work to atone for themselves. And I still don't know if that's going to be enough at the end of the day. You could do all the work you can to, you know, talk to certain people, go through all these seminars and stuff. It's 
yeah, at the end of the day, like how does the victim feel about it, and and how remorseful do those two men feel about it? Is it performative, or do they really mean it? And it's so hard to know that. Absolutely. Right? How do you know what's going on in the heart of of somebody? Absolutely. And but how many how many interviews with Mike Babcock did we see mm-hmm. on these little attempted redemption tours? And you would read them, and you'd go, "Does he really get it, or does he?" You know. And then you saw it in Columbus, and it all blew up. And I would, you know, outside of Mike Babcock and everyone in Columbus. I don't think that story affected anyone more than Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman because that I really feel like that's the moment that sent them right to the back of the line again because teams are just looking at it going, do I re- like do I want to be the Blue Jackets and go through what they just went you know and, and that we're they're still going through because that that changed torpedoed their whole season. If I'm sitting there going, you know, is Joel Quenville the best coach available? Maybe, maybe he is. Is he that far ahead in number two? where I can hire number two and get everyone's happy and, you know, fresh start and no one's yelling at me and there's no, you know, no headlines. I don't know. It's a good question that I think we're going to think about a lot. Uh, I wonder if those guys get considered for jobs again. You're right. I mean, we, we, we heard, we heard Stan Bowman's name linked to Calgary this past summer. We saw Joe Quenville's name linked out there too. What's stopping other teams from doing that this off season? What if it gets to a point where, it's so quiet around those two that, you know, that's when teams think, okay, now's the time to look at those guys because we're not thinking about it the same way that we did a summer ago. Yeah. I, and, you know, like Laz said, I, the key to this is, is the work that they've done performative or is it, you know, legitimately their hearts in the right place? Because we do, we do have to allow for second chances, but we can't allow for just like we saw with the Babcock thing where people don't change their behavior. And so it's going to be fascinating to see if uh, by the end of 2024, uh, one or both of those guys, Quenville and Bowman are back in the NHL in some capacity. One other thing I want to hit on before we uh, take one more break here. And that is, I guess a little bit of arena talk around the league and and teams where they're going to be located. And maybe this, maybe this ties into expansion a little bit too. Uh, but the Arizona Coyotes, and maybe this sounds like a podcast from 2012 or 2015 or 20, well, whatever year, pick your year. Hey, where are the Coyotes going to end up? Uh, are we just exhausted though of this or do we even care at this point, guys? Uh, Laz, I know you've been the mullet a couple times. I was just there uh, in December. It's, it's a unique facility. I'll say that. I, I feel like every NHL fan should experience one game at mullet because it is pretty it's great. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I kind of love it, um, but I, it's not sustainable for the long haul. But but where are we at with the Coyotes in their future? And like, should we be super interested in that storyline in 2024? And does it tie into expansion? A I, I I am pro Coyotes. I think that Phoenix is such a big market, and I understand Gary Bettman's obsession with it. I do think the right team with good ownership and good management can do well there. I really do. But. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me 176 times, shame, you know, shame on me. I think I got that wrong. But like, how many times do we have to believe again. this? Like when that referendum failed, after everyone just assumed it would sail through, uh, it, it just was like, all right, maybe this just isn't meant to be. Maybe this team should be in Salt Lake. Maybe they should be in Houston. They should not be in Atlanta, but there's going to be a team in Atlanta at some point too. Uh, it, it's, I don't know how many times you get to step on a rake before you just don't get to do it anymore. Yeah, Another Simpsons I, I, reference, by the way. Yeah, very, very nicely done. Ian, you asked where the Coyotes going to end up. How about this? In the playoffs? 
unexpectedly. And Ooh. then maybe then we see how things are going. If they can get in the playoffs, maybe even, you know, make some noise. How many times do we hear it, right? Every time anyone, especially up here in Canada, we are crusty Canadians start looking down our nose at some struggling market. And we say, why do they still have a team? And the, the answer is always, well, you know, yeah, maybe we're not selling out the games, but the team's no good. Give us a good team. And then you'll see what this market's capable of. Well, I, you know, the Coyotes aren't a good team in the sense of being cup contender, but they're a better team than people think. So you know, maybe this gives us an indication. But I think, Ian, I think you nailed it, right? It's it's kind of about expansion because as soon as you, why would you not move Arizona to one of those markets Mark just mentioned? Because those are your potential expansion markets. And we want, you know, if we want to add two teams, we need more than two markets because we got to have a bidding war. And if you move Arizona, that just takes them, that that takes a market. How many out teams of the, do we need in this league? At some point, you're just chasing paydays. And then all of a sudden, yeah, no 36, 38 teams. It's going to be horrible. You're chasing paydays. Why? Why is isn't that why this Arizona thing is extended as long as it has been? Isn't that why the NHL is flirting with Salt Lake City and Houston? That isn't that all with the league is like having these big deals with ESPN and other TV markets and in, in, in the United States. Isn't that what this is all about? This has you to be think? all that it's all about, and, right? And you know, you know who it should be all about with Arizona, and maybe. The fact that it hasn't come to this is is the reason this story. We, we a lot of us keep waiting for the players, the players' association to step up and go. Wait a second, well, we're doing a 50-50 revenue share with you guys, and you've got this team that, frankly, is a drain on those revenues that could be making so much more money. And every dollar, every extra dollar, some team would make outside of Arizona, fifty cents of that goes to the players. So why are they not standing up? And you know, maybe the answer is they're they're okay with it. Because they love living in Scottsdale. That's why. Yeah, could be it. Yeah. Tell you what, man. I mean, you you could play in a Canadian market. You go to your practice facility. You go on the dead of January, minus 25. You uh, play at Mullet Arena in Arizona. You go to practice. You leave the arena, 30-degree weather, 25-degree weather. I can understand why people would like to play in Arizona. One other thing I'll mention, 85 degrees. Julian, sorry. There's, there, oh, there's sorry. American listeners here. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Sorry, and an American here. I had to do the math in my head Sean, there when he said that. To other point about Sean about the possibility of the Coyotes making the playoffs and seeing what the fans are like. You know, a team that we don't really make fun anymore because they're actually a good team, and they used to not be. It used to be that they didn't sell out games, and whenever you'd watch games around like Christmas time, you'd see all these fans show up in the building from other teams. We don't make fun of this particular team in my head anymore. The Florida Panthers, they used Mm -hmm. to get some of those jokes that the Arizona Coyotes get now, and now they're among the best teams in the league. Carolina Hurricanes before them, the Nashville Predators before them. Good teams sell, bad teams don't. And and, and there is an argument to be made that says, hey, wait, if you only support a team when they're cup contenders, you're not great fans. You're front-running fans and great fans. But here's the reality. You know, that, that typically isn't the way it is. Hey, if I turned around and said, tell me the very best hockey markets in the United States, a lot of people would point to Chicago. 20 years ago, Chicago was the building that was half empty. Chicago had seasons. 2000 seat building. Yeah. They had, they they had seasons where they were behind Arizona, Atlanta. Every one of that 2010 team, all those fans were called bandwagon fans. They're fans now. They're just fans. Like it takes a bandwagon season to make new fans. The bandwagon is a good thing because once you're a fan, 
you, most of you get roped in for life. How do you think those fans in Pittsburgh were in 2004, 2005 pre-Crosby? What was that team? I like was covering those teams. There was there was eleven thousand people at the old igloo. It was terrible. And come on, and then they get a generation. They get they get Malkin. They get Crosby. They go to the final. They get these cups. Now they're all fans. It's funny how that works. Well, it's funny what, how that works. We'll we'll take a break. Only only uh, the four of us could get together to look ahead at at twenty twenty four and end up with Laz talking about how he covered the two thousand four Penguins. So <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. All right, we are going to take a break when we come back. Some interesting players to monitor in 2024. Willie Nylander, Elias Pettersson, Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos. Do they all end up in new places? What do their contracts look like? So we'll we'll bat that around on the other side as we continue to look ahead at 2024. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day to day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this, 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites, and by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we're going to wrap up this look ahead to 2024. And we're going to look at, I'm going to give you and the listeners a list of four players Pretty elite players, superstar level players. Mm-hmm. And you guys are all going to have to pick one guy off this list that you're like, you know what? That's the guy I'm most interested in how it's going to play out because it could have ramifications for, you know, his team or the salary cap or future contracts, whatever. So the four players that I think are really interesting in 2024 are William Nylander, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks, Leon Dreisaitl in Edmonton, Steven Stamkos in Toronto and oh sorry in in Tampa. See look at that slip from uh, from 2016. Uh, Steven Whoa. Stamkos in in Tampa. Prediction but, by Ian Mendez. Is yeah. this 2016 Mendes. like all over again? Whoa. Oh yeah. Did he like um, another tweet? Did I miss it? Yeah, <laughs> is his fingers hitting the tweet button? No, the like button. But you know, in the case of Nylander, uh Patterson and Stamkos, they will all need new contracts this summer. Dry saddle, we should point out. We'll have one more year, but it kind of feels like we're reaching a, a breaking point or a, a fork in the road, so to speak, for Leon and the Oilers. So, Sean McIndoe, we'll start with you. Willie Nylander, Elias Pettersson, Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos, you can only pick one. Who's the one that you're most interested to see how it plays out? I'm, I'm going to shock you. I'm taking the Toronto Maple Leaf. I'm taking uh, William Nylander uh, because, uh, because he's a Leaf, and I'm a Leafs fan, but... Uh, I think this is this is fascinating to see how it plays out because uh, you know you've you've got a guy who has been very up and down as far as how he's been perceived in Toronto. He's on the top side of that up these days. He's he's been fantastic the first half of the season. Had the big point streak, lots of highlight reels, and all this. He's having a career year right in that contract year. Um, so you know that on its own makes this interesting. We know the situation in Toronto with the cap, although. You know, as always seems to be the case, I think people are thinking the cap is tighter for the Leafs than it actually is. They they certainly do have room to make make it work as far as giving him a raise. And they've got John Tavares coming off the books in a year, which means, you know, you're if you can find a way to bridge the year, there's room to do it. The The element of this that I just think is so interesting is Brad Treliving being the GM. How did it go the last time Brad Treliving had a few pending... UFA. Julian, you're in Calgary. Uh, how, how did that go the last time Brad for Living had to make a tough call on some 20, yeah. late 20s uh, pending UFAs? How, how did that play? I, I, mean, I mean, he got a return for one of them. Uh, we, we will leave the judgment. Jonathan Huberto and, you know, Mackenzie we'll Weir, you could say it's okay. Hey, Mackenzie Weir's having a really good year. He's having yeah. a really good year. And, 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 and Cole Schwint could turn into something, maybe. Yeah. One day they got a conditional you know, pick out of that too. The trip trade uh, was good, but yeah. the Jonathan Huberto contract, I would argue, is the worst contract in the league right now. And it, the guy who signed it is sitting here in in a very similar situation, and he's hearing all this, you know, all the usual people. You can't lose a guy for nothing. Well, hey, if you trade him at the deadline, that team's going to lose him for nothing too. So you know, what are we even doing here? I still think it. I still think it all comes together. I think he gets signed, but. It's going to be really, and, and because it's Toronto, every little thing, the closer we get to, you know, to deadlines, every little thing will get cranked up and magnified and, and blown out of proportion. 
And, uh, and, and that'll be great for everyone. Cause if I've learned one thing, it's that fans of other, fa- uh, other teams, they love it when the Leafs get blanket coverage on a story, they, they really enjoy that. So it's going to be a fun, uh, first half of 2024 for you. All right. Laz, yeah, go ahead. Laz, same question here for you. Willie Nylander, Peter, uh, Elias Pettersson, Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos. You can only pick the one guy. You're like, man, I can't wait to see how this plays out. I have no idea. Who's the most compelling one for you? Well, I'll just say William Nylander would be a nice line mate for Connor Bedard if the Blackhawks are looking to spend some money. That's all I'll say there. Um, But for me, it's Stamkos, right? Because, you know, Stamkos is on the other side of his career that those those guys you mentioned are on. And Stamkos is an icon. He's a captain. He's a local hero. He's won cups. He's also still really good. He's still on pace for some 40 goals this year. He is still an elite player in this league. And he is already in the last year of his contract, and he has not been extended. I am fascinated to see just how ruthless the Tampa Bay Lightning can be. Will they just let him walk? Will they consider moving him at the deadline? Will they extend him? Or will, will they lowball him and say, you want to be a career uh, light, um, a, a lightning? I don't know how that works with singular team names. You want to be a career bolt? You're going to have to take a massive pay cut to make this work. Or how ruthless is Julian Brisebois prepared to be with a local hero? I mean, the Blackhawks just kicked Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze to the curb, right? It can be done. But Steven Stamkos is at a higher level right now than those guys were last year. And very rarely do we see a team be that cutthroat. So that's the one I'm curious to see the most is what happens to Steven Stamkos here. Because he's clearly not thrilled about the situation taking this long. With respect to Julian, the other guy's situation, it it, it's Leon Dreisaitl. And I think Leon, his situation and his ramifications, it goes beyond him as a player. It is Basically, you look at the Edmonton Oilers and that era of him and Connor McDavid together. And if Leon leaves, everyone is going to be asking if Connor will leave too. And ultimately, if will if it will have been a wasted era. A lot of that will depend on what happens this year. I mean, right now the Edmonton Oilers are doing everything they can to lift themselves from the depths of hell that they started off the season with to where they're at now, where they're chasing a playoff spot. But if they fall short again this year. Next year is going to be a massive, massive year for them to try to maximize what they can out of the window that they have. And even if they're, I mean, can you, can you, can the Oilers find a way to pay Leon an insane amount of money, have Connor McDavis contract on the books and look ahead to his end, but still find ways to fit in guys under the cap, even with the cap going up next year to build a competitive team? Those are questions that. They're ask, they're being asked of them now, and that they will continue to be asked of them in the future. And Leon Dreisaitl, with one decision, can change ultimately the entire course of a franchise. So I, I think while, yes, Stamkos, uh, his situation obviously will be looked at a lot. William Nylander, they're a little bit more in the in the immediate, in the they're closer to see in the rearview mirror, but all behind them, Leon Dreisaitl, once it hits July 1st, he is going to be the man of the moment. And there might not have been a higher profile player in his situation that we could be talking about. Yep. Yeah. And, no, and can we just point out all three of those guys that we just talked about, but especially Dress Idol, spent the last many years on contracts that in hindsight were big discounts. Yeah. Wins yep. for the team. I mean, that 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 dry saddle contract, 8.5, that might be the best contract in the entire league from a team perspective. Taking the title away from the most recent champion for that was probably Nathan McKinnon, 
And we know, we know what happened when, when his contract came up. He said, I want to be the highest paid player in the NHL. I want to stay where I'm at, but I'm done taking discounts. I'm done hearing about how great my contract is. Um, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to make sure I get fair value, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And, and that came know, after I'll, a I'll Stanley just... Cup, too. That came yep. after a Stanley Cup True. for Nathan McKinnon. So at least he gets himself paid. And Colorado is still in that window where they could compete and damn near win the whole thing at the end of this year. If Edmonton doesn't win th- this year and they head into next offseason with that question, that cloud hovering over them, it is going to be fascinating times in Edmonton. I'll say, I'll, I'll say one thing on Elias Pettersson in Vancouver. I think the Canucks, and I can't believe I'm using this term with Vancouver, but they turned into a feel-good story at the end of 2023. <laughs> and Give it time. If, Eli- if Elias Pettersson walks, though, oh, that you know, or 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 says I'm not re-signing or whatever happens in Vancouver in the summer, he's just like I want out or I'm not signing. It has the potential to kind of detonate what has been a really good story in Vancouver, and then suddenly an arrow that felt like it was you know either pointing sideways or down. The trajectory is up in Vancouver with 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 that core. You suddenly look at them and say, well, maybe you can win with them. And I think so much of it uh, kind of factors on PD there. So it'll be interesting to see for me. How he uh, how he plays that out in the months uh, ahead. All right, so that does it for the stories, the players, and the storylines that we're looking forward to in 2024. I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us for the last hour or so. We want to say happy new uh, happy new year, yeah, from from all all of us at the Athletic Hockey Show. Want to let you know for some scheduling things. Uh, Julie and I will be back uh, the 8th of January. That's a Monday. We'll be back with our kind of first live show of 2024. In between now and then. Of course, the World Junior Hockey Championship is going on in Sweden. Max Boltman, Corey Prodman, Scott Wheeler, Chris Peters, the four of them will continue to have, uh, have you covered wall-to-wall with uh, with all of the World Junior stuff going on. So thanks so much for listening to this special look-ahead edition of the Athletic Hockey Show for 2024. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.